Hello, friends, and welcome to the Epic Human Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Blair, and thanks for listening today. When you're a kid, you take your parents for granted. You don't think of them as complex human beings who had an entire life before you and who were actually kids themselves uh, once upon a time. You think of them as all-knowing, all-powerful entities uh, that oftentimes serve as the barrier between you and what you want, be it cookies or ice cream or that special new toy. One of the strangest experiences in life is becoming a parent yourself. It seems like just yesterday you were the kid and now you find yourself playing an entirely different role. Now you're the one keeping people from cookies and ice cream. You'll get sick, you try to explain, utterly confused about how quickly the tables have been turned. Your life completely changes. Literally, it's difficult to remember what life was like before. If you're a parent, you can identify with what I'm saying right away. If you're not a parent, it may seem hyperbolic, but I assure you, it is true. Today's episode features Mike Serkin, a father of three amazing children, which right away makes him an epic human in my book. He also happens to be a super successful and accomplished lawyer, but this episode isn't about any of that. In this episode, Mike and I discuss what it means and what it takes to be a dad in the modern era. We talk a bit about our own upbringing and about our joys and challenges of becoming dads ourselves. Mike is an incredibly thoughtful and articulate person, and I really enjoyed going deep with him on this topic. Whether you're a parent or not, I think you'll find this episode both thought-provoking and at times quite funny. So without further delay, please give it up for an epic human, Mike Serkin. And we are live with Mike Serkin. Mike, how are you today? Good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing well. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Mike Serkin is a prominent partner at a law firm in Delaware uh, and is also a father of three children. And today, uh, Mike and I are going to talk about fatherhood. And uh, it's going to be a little bit different uh, in terms of podcasts we've done in the past, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so first off, I just want to mention for context, uh, Mike and I have been friends for uh, 16 years now. Can you believe that that much time has passed since we were in college? Yeah. Crazy. It's, Crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. So, uh, and we met because I was a, uh, an RA uh, at Lehigh, uh, at, at Lehigh, they call them Griffins. And uh, Mike, you were actually my, uh, one of my residents. You were, you, were, you were the person I was in charge of in your freshman year. Uh, and uh, the hall I was in charge of was, oh God, like 20 guys. Um, all freshmen, all, you know, raring to go, nice diversity of, uh, you know, of personalities and whatnot. And, uh, and, and we, we had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty eclectic mix. Yeah. <laughs> and you were in a room uh, with two other guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Both Jake. Yeah. Yeah. Both named Jake. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> the, the two Jakes. Yeah. Um, and so now we are old. Uh, we are both dads, um, and we, you know, we we talk fairly frequently, and a lot of times we're talking about you know, our children and being dads, um, and so that was kind of the, the catalyst for for this podcast. And before we get started, I want to give a shout out uh, to the moms in the world, and, and particularly. Uh, the moms in our lives, so so our moms and uh, and our wives, uh, Tava and Renee, and uh, we just want to say just want to say like right out of the box, moms are the best. Uh, moms are are far superior to, to dads, uh, and and we're we're both incredibly lucky. But this show is about dads, so so shout out to moms. Just want to get that out of the way. Uh, in that uh, we we love moms. Uh, so let's let's get into it. So. Uh, first off, uh, what, what, maybe tell me a little bit about about you know how you grew up and uh, you know wh- where you grew up, uh, what your parents were like, and, and what your family was like like life was like when you were a kid. Sure. So uh, I grew up um, until I was about eleven years old or so in uh, North Jersey, outside New York. Um, parents uh, together. My my dad is about 14 years older than my mom, which which sort of makes for an interesting kind of personality mix uh, for them. 
Um, we moved from New York to a town called Cheltenham outside of Philadelphia, which is really where I grew up, uh, as I think of it, um, from the time I was in sixth grade on. Um, shortly after we moved, my parents uh, split up. Um, so my brother and I actually have two brothers, but, but one who's only about a year older than me, another who's much older. Uh, my brother and I lived with our dad. Um, our mom was close by, 10 minutes away. Um, and I would say growing up, um, that was, you know, about as well as that was handled about as well as it could be. Uh, our parents were, you know, stayed physically close to each other so that we could see them both uh, pretty regularly. Um, it still, you know, was was an ex a rough experience for for two boys who were 12 and 13 at the time. Um, but we survived. Um, and then, uh, you know, the sort of end of the story for my parents is uh, they have still been divorced, but have been roommates uh, living in the same house, different floors of the same house for now about seven or eight years, which which now in my dad life makes uh, a lot of things a lot easier. Logistically, we get to go to one place to visit my parents and sure. they together to see us. So it's kind of a strange situation, but but I suppose uh, it's working as well as could be. So that's excellent. And, and and so growing up, uh, what 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 did your parents emphasize? What did they what did they teach you? Like, can you can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. That, so I think I think they're sort of polar opposites in a lot of ways. My my mom uh, is very very artistic. Um, she'll uh, whether you invite her to or not, she'll she'll sing a song for you. She'll she'll play a song for you on a piano or guitar. She will. Um, you know, she she had drama experience in, in her high school and college. Um, and her her father, my grandfather, made his living as an artist and an art teacher. So we have paintings all over the walls um, that he did. Um, and then my dad is much more sort of traditional, sort of one generation older than that kind of male. Um, he was into sports, uh, the kind of what I think of anyway, is like the old fashioned traditional American sports, baseball, basketball, football. Mm -hmm. um, so that was sort of um, the way he was. And like I said, I think he's, he's like a generation older. So um, my mom, I would say was much more of the kind of as a parent, much more hands on and wanting to know sort of what was going on with us. And my dad was much more kind of hands off and sort of treated us as adults, uh, probably from a time well before we, we earned that treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, uh, and just to reciprocate, uh, I, I also grew up in the Northeast and in, in kind of the New York, Connecticut area. And, uh, I'm not sure if I ever shared this with you, but when I was living in the Bronx, uh, my family actually lived with our, uh, with my grandparents, my, my dad's parents, um, mm -hmm. they lived in the basement. So, so I had, I had parent, you know, grandparents living with me. Um, so I, you know, I had not only my parents, but my grandparents, and then I had my whole, you know, my other set of grandparents, uh, close by, like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes away. Um, and, uh, and my mom was also artistic and, uh, and a teacher, um, and education was always like, uh, a big theme kind of in our house was like, you know, a push towards education, a push towards, you know, good grades and whatnot. Um, and my dad was always a bit more like low key, like even keeled, steady as she goes um, and, and, and involved with, you know, involved with business. Um, but kind of a running theme throughout my family was, uh, was, you know, trying to trying to be, you know, be ethical and, and be, be moral and, and follow, follow the rules. Um, but we, but we also laughed a lot and, uh, and, and, oh, and just on the topic of divorce, like my, my parents have, have been together, uh, for the entirety of their relationship, uh, married that is, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we have, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of divorce in our family, like in our extended family. And so, you know, I, I, you know, was exposed to that quite a bit um, uh, growing up as well. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, let, let me ask you this. Um, so were there, was there, well, let me ask you this. In terms of fatherhood, like now, now we're adults it's, and <laughs> fathers, yeah. it's hard to believe. Um, and I think the thing that struck me when I became a dad was, 
um, how different life was. Like from the day before we had a kid to the day after. I mean, it was just this like incredible transformation. Uh, do you remember what what that was like for you? Like your your expectation of what it was going to be like to be a dad versus what it was. Yeah, I think it's a great question. So I think, um, and, and I think I had the same reaction as you about how different it was. Um, and I sort of, I've joked with people since then who, you know, a, a friend gets engaged or a friend gets married and I'm really excited for them. But like, you know, it's, I'll say with a laugh to someone who got married recently, like, how's married life? Because the answer is always like, it's kind of the same as yesterday. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I think you're happy, but like, assuming you were together a while before you got married, it's, it's pretty similar, um, I think, most of the time. So um, having a kid uh, was not the same. Um, and, you know, it was just, I felt an immediate, um, you know, an immediate shift in the kind of priorities of everything. Like now there's just a constant, from the time my oldest was born, his name is Brady, from the time Brady was born, there's just sort of a, a new uh, a new thing at the top of 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 my priority list. And and you mentioned our, our wives earlier, so I should say um, Renee is, is wonderful and is, uh, she's not less important than any of my kids or anything else, but she shares my view, I think, that, that our kids are the first priority. Right. Um, and, and that happened, I think, sort of instantly. Um, and frankly, it, it started to happen when we found out she was pregnant. Um, sure. And then, you know, I can remember a time, probably not, maybe it was a couple months after he was born, where like, feeling like a, a sort of new sense of, of joy and of um, sort of meaning, uh, and kind of like a deeper deeper kinds of feelings at the idea that like, now I really loved like the specific kid that I had and not just like the idea that I had become a dad or that we had had a kid, like <laughs> as we grew up and, and start to develop a little bit more personality and start to recognize people and start to um, express themselves even in, in very little ways. Um, all of a sudden it was sort of a newfound, like I really love this person and not just sort of the idea that we have a child that's precious and special. Totally. Uh, yeah. I, 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 the funny, the funny part is when sometimes when Tave and I think back to before we had kids, we, we ask ourselves like, what did we do? Like, what did we yeah. do at night? Like, what did we do on the weekends? Like we, we almost can't remember. Like, we're like, I think we went to some movies. I think we, <laughs> we went to brunch. Like we, we like stood in line for brunch. Like what were we, you know, like we had just time to burn. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's like, you, I feel like I went from a life where I was like just thinking about myself and, and or, or you know ourselves as a, as a married couple, and like what do we want to do today and kind of in the future. And then the next day, it was just like, okay, now we we have we have a combined uh, shared priority that's like far like not just you know the next one above, but just like far and above the the most important thing project that we're doing. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I think it's important. And in terms of, in terms of expectations, like I don't, I, I kind of, I, I, I'm a little bit unique and, and maybe you share this, um, but, um, a lot of young men, um, don't think they want a family or like, don't, don't want a family. Like they, they, they have an expectation that, um, you know, they, they might have kids someday, but if, if someone talks them into it, but they, they don't really think about it. They're not excited about it. I was a little unique in that I was always like excited about it. Um, and so I like I always knew I wanted a family, always knew I wanted to be a dad. Um, but I think I had like this this rosy view of, of what it was going to like to be a dad. And, and I was I think I was like fast forward thinking to like, OK, this is when I'm going to go, you know, teach my son how to throw a ball or like, you know, or, or you know, t or take my, my, my child driving for their first time or, or something like that. But I wasn't thinking about like just the, you know, going into the fast lane of having a baby and like having to meet their needs like 24 seven. Um, do you remember, like, do you remember those first few days and like, and what it was like for you? I do. And, and first, it's, it's funny to hear you say that, because I think it's right that, that there are many, if not most, 
young men, especially like when, when we met in college, I think if you sort of surveyed our, our group of college friends, I don't know how many of them, you know, thought they might have kids one day. I don't think many of them thought about it regularly or thought that it would be something they'd be interested in very soon. And um, uh, and a lot of them probably shouldn't. Just... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's true. But 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 in a in a very real way, I, I share your um your sort of always having that feeling. And I can remember actually one of one of our mutual friends um told me at one point when we were in college that he had you know, because of some medical issues, he was told that he might not ever be able to have kids, like at the time we were in college. And mm. Renee and I were together at the time, and you and Tava were too. And mm. I remember, like, I mean, I felt very badly for our friend. I think I felt worse than he did at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, like, telling Renee, like, I don't even know what, like, I, I, had, I had a fear that I would lose some sense of sort of purpose in my life and, like, ambition and, like, I just would have been devastated to get news like that. And I know there are obviously solutions. There are, you know, adoption and, and you know, I don't know that it was a certainty at the time. And so so maybe there are, are other sort of medical avenues that could have been pursued. But I, I remember saying to Renee, having a lot of conversations with her, even though I was 20 or 21 at the time, that like, if I would have gotten that news, it would have just devastated me. And I don't feel like a lot of people our age at the time would have shared that Um view um and and just uh, and just real quick on that point did you did you have any like because because you had that uh, aspiration or that that positive outlook on parenthood were there any was there any kind of uh uh situation not that or an example of a situation i described where the expectation was was too high and there was some sort of kind of reality check so I think not for me, but I think uh, secondhand for Renee, um, I, I did not. So she went from being uh, a professional uh, in an office every day. She worked uh, at KPMG. She's an accountant and she's working a sophisticated job with smart people her age and, and people who had, you know, both serious and, and non-serious conversations with her at an adult level. And right. when um, when we had our baby all of a sudden she was home and I don't think I, and that was always something that was important to her and her mom had been home when they were growing up and, and that was her choice of course. But I don't think I anticipated the degree to which that would be a change for her. And, and she's um, done amazingly well with it, both for herself and for our kids. But, but there were certainly really hard days where, you know, it's a strange combination for her of being, both isolated and smothered like she has a child who has constant need or care all the time whether it's you know feeding sleeping changing and you know repeat the cycle right Uh, and yet she also now doesn't have any of the adult conversations and sort of interaction that she had and was used to having all day at work and so um i don't know that i really had a sort of um experience like that myself because I didn't have the the constant um you know rush of it that she did going from work to staying at home but but I certainly underestimated the impact that that it would have on her um just day to day especially for the first few months mm-hmm. uh, and just going going back to your question about the first few days yeah that is and and both for for today's purposes and in my normal life I certainly don't um want to uh want to tell anybody or give the impression that that our way is the right way or the best way um it's just the way that that sort of has worked for us but the one bit and i think the only bit of like unsolicited advice that i've given a few people uh after me who have had kids um is uh and it just worked out for us that we have we do have family that that's driving distance for both of us which is really nice and been super helpful um, but we intentionally told them to come visit when we were in the hospital and see the baby um, and then come visit a few days afterwards. But we we wanted those first few days at home to just be by ourselves and just kind of figure it out together. <laughs> right. Uh, and it, I mean, it was an intense couple of days and, and you know, it's hard to remember what was daytime, what was nighttime. You're sort of sleeping a couple hours at a time whenever possible. and um, but, you know, 
I thought that was just such an incredible, uh, intense kind of shared uh, team bonding kind of experience for us to have. It, it forced us pretty quickly to um, trust each other with the baby and figure out that, you know, we just didn't have the crutch of being able to say to one of our parents, you know, why do you think he's crying now? Or what should <laughs> we do? And we didn't have the reassurance of, you know, this is just what babies do, right? We're, we're now on our third kid and we, we don't have the same level of stress. Right. Um, she cries that we did the first time. Um, but I feel like going through that together um, and alone, other than being together, was really sort of um, helpful experience for us. Yeah, well, a lot, you just, you just touched on a lot of important issues, but um, for, for us, I mean, you know this, but we, we had an atypical situation for our first, uh, our first son because he was born premature, um, mm-hmm. and so he, our first few days, and in fact, the first month of his life were uh, in hospitals and in the, uh, the medical uh, system and, and that environment in, uh, in, actually in Canada, but, but very similar to, to here. Um, and, and so it was a totally, I, I think f- for me, it, it was a, it was a big shock, uh, to the, to the system, you know, having this generally rosy outlook on, on how things would be. Um, I mean, generally an optimist in terms of things are going to work out great. It's going to be fantastic. And then getting that, that reality check of, okay, something's not right. And, and we need to, to address it. Turns out everything worked out fine after, after that month or so. And we had great care. Um, but, uh, but I, I agree. I, I just want to uh, touch on something else you said, which is, uh, is the effect on, on the moms. And I think, you know, again, we're going to kind of give it up for the moms, um, because I think Tava, Tava had a similar experience in that, you know, was, was coming from a very professional, uh, environment, uh, and also became a full-time mom. And I, I think it's, I think it's hard for, for, for moms, you know, who are full-time moms and, and for moms who work. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's underestimated, you know, the, the burden, um, and, and the, uh, how, how difficult it is to be a a full-time mom and and not have that adult exposure, um, on a day-to-day basis. And it's, it's really, it's really tough. And, and, um, and, but, but, you know, that's, that's, that's the decision that, uh, that, that a lot of women make and, uh, you know, more power to them. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, man, there was something else I wanted to mention that you you talked about. Uh, oh yeah, the first the first few days. Oh, the big thing I tell people uh, in terms of uh, advice is, uh, and I and I like your point about you know being a team. Um, and I always tell people like if you're marrying someone, you're not marrying just marrying like someone you're in love with. You, you got to be marrying a, a teammate, uh, someone you'd work well with on a project uh, like at school or something. Um, but the other thing I tell people is just that sleep is overrated. Like sleep. <laughs> You don't need as much sleep as you think you do. I mean, I, I can remember those nights where I'm just up until like two, three in the morning and I've got to wake up at, you know, five or six or whatever it was and just being like, how am I going to get through the day tomorrow? And, uh, but lo and behold, coffee uh, is an amazing thing and you end up just getting through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um and, you know, I also think, at least in my line of work, uh, we're blessed with um, incredible technology. So I was able to spend a lot of, uh, you know, one to three a.m. times, uh, you know, rocking a baby to sleep uh, while also doing something useful, reading uh, <laughs> documents on my phone or, you know, doing being able to do something uh, that felt useful in that time period. Because to me, and, and this is probably just sort of individual psychology, but I, I do worse. Uh, I do better with a lack of sleep than I do with um, sort of forced kind of wasted time. Like if I'm if I'm trying to sleep and unable to sleep, then it's really bad. But if I just decide to try to do something else, um, it, even if that's just just time with with one of our kids, uh, then then I'm okay with it. Then I agree with you. Sleep is overrated. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess we've all had that moment where we're like trying to go to sleep and can't and we're like okay if i go to sleep now i'll get six <laughs> hours and then you look at the clock and you're like okay i just have to go to sleep now and i'll get five and a half uh but yeah it is it is different when you're you know you're with your kid and you're like you know what it, 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 it'll be fine and uh this is more important 
Um, so uh, maybe you should briefly just mention uh, your, your kids' uh, ages and, and, uh, and names and whatnot. That, that'll help for the, the context. Sure. So Brady and Cooper are our two boys. They are six uh, and Brady. Brady is six and he's in kindergarten. Cooper is three and they're almost exactly three years apart. Um, and then our baby, baby girl, Savannah, is nine months old. Awesome. And, and I've got Rowan, who's four, and, and Deacon, who's two, um, and both boys. And um, do you have, like, a favorite age range, like, you know, that, that, that you really enjoy, or, or a favorite kind of development point, you know, for the kids now that you have, you've been through this a couple times? Yeah, that's, it's a really good question, because I feel like um, – I've seen this, I've observed this with like other people in our kids' lives. So like their grandparents and, and aunts and uncles like um, all seem to have a, uh, a sort of, they all seem to gravitate towards the kids at a certain age. Mm -hmm. So Renee's parents who now have seven grandkids uh, that range from I think seven down to one or down to nine months, I guess. Um, you know, they they seem to, uh, gravitate towards, you know, Renee's father likes to play with uh, the boys who are sort of able to run around with him and, and you know, sort of be a little bit more physical and, and he can throw them around and, and throw a ball to them. <laughs> Renee's mom is, is gravitates towards babies and is happy to pick up the closest baby and feed the closest baby and, um, and I think the same is true of, of other people we've sort of observed. I think for me, um, it's kind of hard to say because um, you know, we have, uh, it's hard for me to, to separate like sort of what I like about um, my individual kids versus like the ages that they are. But yeah. um, I would say, you know, we're at, we're at sort of a, a frustrating spot with our two boys only in the sense that they're getting to an age, they're getting to a point where their ages are, are fairly incompatible. Mm. Um, so Brady is six and he's in kindergarten and he's playing sports. And if we have a free, you know, couple hours in the afternoon, he wants me to take him outside and throw him a baseball. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do that, um, Cooper wants to come out too. And he can't, uh, you know, he can't catch a baseball. Now I try to do whatever we can with him. So I'll yeah. roll him a baseball or right. I'll have, him, you know, sort of run around us and be outside and spend time with us still. But um, if then I do what Cooper would like to do outside, which is I want to ride a tricycle or I want to, you know, blow bubbles or, or, you know, other things that a three-year-old wants to do, Brady's getting to the point. And it's also the influence of having, you know, classmates at school where that stuff seems sort of, you know, babyish to him. Mm. Um, so, you know, I do think we're, we have a little bit of a challenge in sort of making sure they each get time doing the things that they want to do, um, you know, sometimes separately and sometimes they just sort of, I just sort of force them to, to endure what the other one wants to do. But, um, sure. you know, a year ago, it would have been easier to just say that they can do the same things all the time and, and enjoy it. Um, I would say personally, though, like, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm I'm very partial to the period where with the babies, where they start to recognize me, which, usually, <laughs> you know, two or three months, maybe that's just uh, selfishness. I don't know. But like <laughs> when I'm just like, I mean, obviously mom is, mom is uber important right away. Right. Um, and dad comes at some point later. Um, and as soon as I know like that they're recognizing me and that I'm at least like a clear, like second most important adult in their lives, <laughs> Then I'm totally in, but before that, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man, a, a lot of good stuff there. Um, yep. What yeah. about you? Yeah, I was going to say, um, uh, man, a lot. Um, that First off, a really interesting observation about, like, the, the, the age gaps and the dynamics between the, the two different ages, and, and that's probably on its way for me. <laughs> it's probably, like, yeah. seeing into the future. Uh, because we do a lot together, um, and I could see, you know, I, and I could see how that could change, um, you know, in a in a few years. Um, but my my favorite point uh, for both of my sons, like, was 
right at like I don't know maybe maybe this isn't a, an age range but it's a particular milestone which was the walking milestone like to me for both of my kids that was just such a joyous event um, I remember I was actually like my son Rowan had taken a few steps here and there um, and, and he was a little bit on the later side of of, uh, of walking and he had taken a few steps and I, I left for a trip and I was in the airport um, and and Tava sent me a a video of him like running around our apartment. It was the first time he he'd really like walked on his own, and, and he was and he was literally like walking everywhere in our apartment. And I remember standing up in the airport and just like screaming and laughing and crying, and it was such a great moment. And uh, and the same for and the same for Deacon, in, in that it was it was a great uh, great milestone. Not only because like it's just it's just fun to see, and and it's and it's a uh, it's important milestone. But I always felt that. For both of them, they were just much happier uh, once they could walk because they could, they were less frustrated. Like if they wanted to go across the room and get a toy, it was, it was they could do it, and it just seemed like life just got much easier uh, overnight uh, once that milestone was hit. So I'd say that age and 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 probably that like eighteen months to or whatever it is, twelve months to two two years is a lot of fun just because the kids are are just changing so rapidly every day. Um, and that that growth um, for me is just you know so much fun to to observe and 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 be a part of. Yeah, I think uh, I think everything that you said about walking, I would have said about talking. Um, mm. I feel like our and maybe not sort of the first words, but like the time where talking becomes like a real sort of facility for them. Um, yeah. Because I, Renee and I used to talk about this all the time. Like both of our kids got to be probably their most sort of frustrating behaviorally um, right before they could really communicate because, you know, they're just, they can understand things and they are just trying desperately in, in every way that they know how to just express something. And that something could be that they're hungry or they're tired or they're whatever. Um, and they just can't. And so those last, um, those last few months or weeks or whatever it is before they could really break through and start saying things they wanted to say to us. Um, I, I found the most frustrating. And then I think, um, you know, I do have a, a soft spot for about the age that Cooper is right now. He's about three and a half um, because he's, he's very communicative and there's plenty of personality um, and just in the way, but he still mispronounces things all the time. And it's like, <laughs> everything is just like hysterical to hear him say it now. <laughs> right. um, whereas like Brady's in kindergarten and it's like, you know, we have fairly grown up conversations, um, which is really cool, but it just, it doesn't sound the same. It's not the same um, sort of, it's not the same sort of childlike, you know, amazement at just everything he says the way that he says everything is just so funny um <laughs> i would say i do have a, a soft spot for you know three three and a half something like that uh, so another thing i want to ask you about um is uh the timing for for developmental milestones and i just thought of this while i was telling that other story about walking is that um there, there's a lot of anxiety i feel like parents have and and i'm i'm no uh no exception to this rule, in, especially in the early years, in terms of uh, milestones, meeting milestones at a particular time. You go and see the doctor, and they they give you the quiz around like, you know, is your child doing this? They should be doing this by this age and whatnot. Um, you know, especially for the first, I think is is where it's most acute. But did you deal with any of that? Um, and 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 if so, how did you how did you manage that? We did, and I think. Um... I agree with you. I think there's a lot of anxiety about it. And I think it's sort of misplaced. Um, I, I think that, and I don't, I don't know any of this because I'm not a doctor or into like child development, but I think um, at least the logic to me is when they say, you know, at six months, your child should be clapping and should be crawling and should be whatever the things are they should be doing. It's not like those things are specifically that important. It's just that those are signs of sufficient, you know, hand-eye coordination to clap and, um, you know, whatever, whatever the kind of, they're, they're looking for specific examples of more general developmental you know, progress, I think. Right. Right. Uh, but, but I think what happens and certainly happened to us at times, especially with our first was <clears throat> we knew that, Hey, at, 
they said at six months he he should have been doing this and he wasn't our our kids all three of them as it turns out never really crawled properly mm. um sort of army crawled and and never got their hips up off the ground um and but we got to the point where we just wanted like a good report from the doctor so we would try to teach them to do the things that we know they were expected to do right. which i think is like a very logical like you know high achieving mentality kind of thing to do <laughs> like we were just cramming for a test, right? Yes. But it's, um, it's not necessarily indicative of what a doctor's, I think, trying to look for, which is general developmental progress. Right. I mean, in some sense, it probably is, I guess, because if 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 they are sufficiently teachable to do those things, then so be it. But um, that I, I just looking back on it now, and and you know, all these things are easier the third time because you just don't worry about them as much. Um, but looking back on it now, I, I, I certainly remember times where we were like trying desperately to just teach them to do things that would get them like a good report at their next doctor's <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, so first off, I agree that this, the stress level just goes down precipitously with the second one. And I, I can't even imagine the third. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that for the first one, like I, I, we had a similar issue with crawling and like rolling over for some reason, like Rowan just didn't, was not into rolling over, was not into crawling. Um, and, and we were like super anxious about, it. I, I, I'll speak for myself. I was super anxious about it. And I remember just being like really upset. Like, I'm like, oh, I can't roll over, you know? And lo and behold, a month later or whatever, he rolled over, or he crawled or, and, and then he, you know, he went straight to walking. But like in that moment, I remember just feeling like, well, it's, it, you know, it's never going to happen. And it just makes me, I don't know, it makes me a little bit uh, perturbed with the, the medical system and, then the, and the way they communicate these things. Because in, ge in general, these things are averages. And I think, they, I think they really need to emphasize that these are general guidelines. If your children are not meeting these, these goals, it is not a, you know, it's not a reason to sound the alarm um, and that everyone is on their own path. Um, and, and we'll do things in due time. Um, and, and I, I just, I just never got that message. Uh, maybe they're trying, and maybe they're good folks in the industry trying to do that, but I, I never got that message. Um, and maybe yeah. it's something you just have to learn on your own. I don't know. Yeah. I, I never got that message either. And like I said, my, it's just my sort of hindsight now looking back and thinking like, we're probably not that worried about like specific skills at six or nine months. We're really just probably worried about, you know, general sort of motor coordination and making sure that, you know, all the limbs work. And I remember, um, I think it was Brady was a little bit slow. Um, and in sort of speaking, you know, more than just either repeating sounds or, or something like that, just sort of actually like forming sentences and that kind of thing was was late, but then happened fast. But but for the period of time it was late, we were really stressed about it. And I remember just saying, um, and no no doctor was telling us this, um, but I remember saying to Renee and, and her agreeing that like, okay, um, we know you can hear us because he listens pretty well and and understands and, and you know follows directions as much as a one year old or whatever he was does, um, and we know that he can make sounds because if you ask him to sort of mimic certain sounds, he would do that. So he's just like, he has all the, the tools necessary. He just hasn't like decided to tell us anything yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that was comforting. But again, that was, that was sort of self-enforced. That wasn't given to us by a doctor and maybe, maybe they should. Um, yeah. Could have been totally wrong on that intuition. No, I, I, I think you're right. It's a good point. And, and, um, and then the other, the other piece of it, I, I think that contributes is, is the way, the way parents talk about their kids. Um, and this can both be, you know, positive and, and negative. Um, but, but I think there's this perception that like, oh, if my kid does this thing early, then, uh, he or she is going to be a genius or, or whatever. <laughs> but, but you, you find out pretty quickly that, again, kids are all going at their same, at, at different paces and, and, and they all kind of catch up and, and kind of revert to the mean. But in terms of like parenting, like parenting in general is very personal. Um, and, but you, you get, but you have to interact in the world with other parents that have, 
uh, either different philosophies or like talk about their kids in a different way. Um, how have you kind of navigated that that um, that situation dealing with you know your own your own philosophy versus the philosophy or, or parenting styles of other others? Yeah, it's a great question. We try so hard um, not to uh, not to judge, not to compare our kids to others or our parenting to others. Um, I think that you know one of the things, and and this happens more um, as as Brady's in kindergarten now. He's just exposed to um, you know kids go to school and they talk about what what they see and hear at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's exposed to um, kids who tell him that their parents have different rules and their parents have different, you know, sort of general traditions, practices, whatever it is. I mean, everybody's life is different. And I think this is sort of the first time that he's hearing about that in, in sort of larger scale. Um, and so we've, we've tried a couple of times this year, I've tried, I know, to just remind him that, um, you know, we make uh, our own choices and, and we're in charge of um, you know, our family, we being Renee and I are in charge of our family and, and we do what we think is best and other people might do things differently and that doesn't change the rules for us. And, but we respect their rules too. And, um, you know, certainly I think it becomes more challenging when you're sort of in a, you know, you go on vacation with someone or you spend a day with someone with another family. And, you know, then I think you're, you're just sort of reverting, uh, to the lowest common denominator. <laughs> Whoever has the fewest rules, uh, <laughs> those are the rules. Those are the only rules that the kids have any any hope of following. Um, we try to be pretty uh, cognizant of that, and also even just like when when we go to when our kids spend time with their grandparents, we don't try to keep them on a bedtime and and keep them eating the way that we try to make them eat at home, which is sort of just normal meals that we eat. Um, you know, if if grandma and grandpa want to give them you know, other things and want to keep them up at night watching movies and stuff. We, we generally just let them do whatever they want to do there. Yes. Yeah, uh, same, same here. Uh, and it's, it's hard for me to do being super type A and, yeah. you know, discipline focused or at least trying to be this, you know, discipline focused on a lot of things. But yeah, so, sometimes with the grandparents, you just have to, you know, let loose and, um, and we, we always say there's like some deprogramming that has to be done. Like after you visit the grandparents, like, okay, back to the rules, back to like what we normally do. But, um, but that's the grandparents job to, to spoil the kids and, and to just have a lot of fun. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, getting back to like dealing with other parents, like it is tricky. I mean, um, it is tricky to, cause we have a similar situation in that. Yeah. Both, both Rowan and Deacon are, are it's hard for them to understand like, Wait a second. This other kid can do it. Why can't Why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we have to have a similar conversation around. Well, like, well, we have our own family rules, and that that might be different than your school's rules or or other families' rules. Or um, and that's that a lot of times seems unfair to them. And uh, and it's it's a it's a hard lesson to learn. And it's even it's even harder, like you said, when you're when you're in the environment with the other parents, and uh, you kind of feel like if you were to emphasize your rules, uh, it, it could come across as judgy or, uh, you know, holier than thou. So, so, uh, yeah, we end up just kind of giving in a lot as well. <laughs> kind of have yeah. to. Uh, and, and is there, let's see, um, is there any, are there any like parts of your parenting philosophy that are, that are like less popular and, but you, but you do it anyway, because like you feel strongly about it? Um, and, 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 and if so, like, you know, what, what, what is that and why do you believe that? Um, I never really thought about it that way. I think, so one, one thing that, um, you know, I've, I've heard, uh, and talked to some people about sort of, I think it's probably generational, but there's sort of a debate that I think the two sides of the debate tend to be like, do you put your kids first or do you put sort of yourselves first and the kids are just sort of supposed to fall in line. Um, and that, you know, the, the theory behind the second camp is sort of like, well, you know, kids today are entitled and that's because their parents, you know, give them everything that they want and, you know, they're, they're always entertained and, and, you know, catered to all the time. Um, 
I think that's mostly generational, but but I've heard people express both views. I think I read this somewhere and I don't remember where it was, um, but something that I read that's really stuck with me that we try to stick to is like, you know, in the family sort of hierarchy um, of, of priorities, the first is the kids' needs. And that's, you know, obvious. And, and we were talking about that before from like the day the kids were born, you just want to protect them and keep them safe and healthy and, and all of that. And the second thing is the parents' needs, um, because if we're not safe and healthy and, and well, um, then we're not going to be able to take care of the kids. Um, and then parents' wants over kids' wants. And I think that's a good way to sort of reinforce um, or, or, or prevent some of the, you know, the entitlement kinds of feelings of, you know, I should, we got in the car, I should put on whatever, um, I should be able to listen to whatever music I want, or I should be able to do whatever I want all the time. And, you know, we have, you know, we, we still spend most of our free time to the extent we have any trying to think of fun things for the kids to do and, and valuable things for them to do. But we don't want them to have the feeling of they're in charge or they get to have what they want all the time. So that's right. one way of sort of keeping a structure that keeps us in charge and keeps them uh, hopefully in a place where they understand that the, the world isn't going to give them everything that they want instantly all the time. But of course, we are always going to take care of you and keep you safe and keep you healthy and keep you fed and keep you, you know, all the things that you need. Um, Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's an intriguing uh, hierarchy uh, to to keep in mind. I've never heard it dis, uh, one described that way. So that's that's definitely helpful. So uh, another question is, how do you manage? Like, we all want to be great dads, right? And we all want to be great moms and parents and whatnot. But how do you manage the tension between wanting to be like the ideal dad or like meet the meet your personal ideal for for what a dad is? and the realities and practicalities of, of real life. Yeah, gosh, that's, it's uh, so hard. Um, <laughs> and I think about it, I think about it like honestly every day um, because, you know, the way I think about it, I have two really important jobs and, and one is, is being a dad and one is my actual job job. And um, my job job is, is pretty busy. Um, and there are times when it gets, you know, we have trials and there are times when it gets really busy. And, you know, I've, I've said during those times that while I feel terrible about sort of missing things and not being home as much, um, it does become easier for me to get through a day in some ways, because once I get past the tipping point of, you know, and this only happens for a couple weeks a year, maybe, but of, I'm just literally not going to see my kids awake. Um, for a week or two at a time because I'm getting ready for a trial. Mm. Um, when that happens, it's easier than the preceding three or four weeks when, you know, I still have two jobs and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm failing at both. Um, <laughs> because I, I, I feel like I'm still not, I'm not home as much as I would like. I, there are things that I want to do and the kids want me to do with them and I'm unable to. And at the same time, you know, I'm leaving work before, you know, I really would if I if I didn't have kids yet. Um, but I think so. So what, what do I do? I do a lot of rationalizing <laughs> saying that. Um, and I, I intentionally, I think, talk about work to in, in the most sort of generic and an optimistic way I can describe my work to, to Brady, at least, mm -hmm. um, because I want him to know that I do work that I. I, I feel is important and I feel is helpful to people um, and I believe in it. And so I try to do it as, as well as I can. And there's a lot of people who count on me uh, and on, and our, our firm to do important work, work that's important to them. And so if I stress the value and the importance of, of work and of the profession and, you know, trying to, trying to fulfill whatever my responsibilities are as, as well as I can, I can at least sort of rationalize that as, as kind of, you know, setting a good example, even if I've, I'm not being, you know, there every day as much as I would like to. And then um, beyond that, I just, you know, I don't, other than my my two jobs um, of, of work and, and parenting and, and home, I don't, like, 
whatever my third priority is, whether it's friends or just normal social life or whatever, is like a very, very, very <laughs> distant third. Right. <laughs> so, you know, weekends coming up, I don't, um, I don't very often think about anything other than do I have any work I need to do and when can I fit that in and then what else, what can I do with the kids um, the rest of the time. Um, but that's that's as good as I can do, and it's no uh, certainly no silver bullet. Like I said, I, I think about it like literally every day. Um, and what about you? I don't know. I don't have any answers. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, work life balance is is uh, is is very challenging, but but agree that it, I mean it's so important to be able to to do that in an effective way where you don't. I mean, you're always going to feel like if you're if you're doing a good job, you're always going to feel like you're you're kind of not doing your best um, in either. Um, but 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 I think that's the that's the balance that's necessary to to you know to to build a life. Um, for me, I I think about it in terms of just managing my my interactions with my kids, um, and I want to be. I want, I mean, my dad's like a great um, role model in that he's just, he was just always like even keeled, like, and calm and rational. And, uh, and I feel like I sometimes lose my temper, lose my patience. And, and I'm, I'm always trying to get back to that place of, of, okay, let's, let's have fun. Let's, you know, be patient and let's, let's kind of move forward. Um, and our, our mutual friend, uh, Pete Marr has a wonderful wife named Carly, who's a special ed teacher. And she had a, uh, she had a magnet on her refrigerator that, that I think about often. Uh, it was just an awesome quote that said like, sometimes it says something like to the effect of like, sometimes strength is just that little voice in your head at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. Um, and that's, that's kind of the way I think about it. It's just, just try, just keep trying and, and just, um, you know, regardless of the step of the setbacks or of the, um, of, of the mistakes, just trying to just, just work hard on it every day. So that's the way I, I just kind of think about it. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. And then the, um, the other thing that makes me think about is I, I, I have, uh, like, if I come off of a long, you know, one of those couple week stretches where I, I really have not been around much, like, what I want when that ends is I don't want a big party and I don't want, like, let's go on vacation. Like, there's a time for those things. I'm going to do those too. But I just want, like, you know, let's have, like, a normal day or two of, you know, me being able to find time to both help Renee, which is really important after a time when I haven't, um, and and sort of participate more actively in, in like a normal day, right? Like I yeah. wanna just have those calmer, quieter moments of, hey, we can, um, you know, let me let me read you a book or tell me what you, you know, for, for Brady now, like t- tell me what you learned in school today or, or what did you think of that book you just read? And and I want that more than I want like okay I just finished a long stretch of, of a lot of work let's go to you know Disney World um, yeah you know so and and another way I think about that that similar issue is um, just part of my I think parenting philosophy as I've thought about this over the past couple of days is is just spending time I mean I, I think I try to go back to just the idea of like spending a lot of time with, with kids, with, with my kids. Um, because I think at the, I, I just, I just think at the end of the day, the more time you can spend with the kids, your kids, the better, the better you get to know them, the better they get to know you, the better they get to learn from you, like learn from example, as opposed to learn by, you know, learn what I say and not what I, not, not what I do. Um, and and so I th- that's just one of the things I, I I think about a lot and I and I I have the same philosophy that you do in terms of it's like all I think about is is kind of work and 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 family and um, <clears throat> and that's important to me I mean it's not it's not for everybody because I, I know a lot of people you know prioritize other things and that helps them be better at what they're doing. Um, uh, but 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 for me, I I just think like time spent 
uh, doing normal things, uh, normal day-to-day -day things is, uh, is so valuable kind of in the long term. By the way, because our kids actually want to spend time with us uh, at, this, at these ages. Um, yeah. And that's not around forever. And, and, I, and it's, I mean, from what I, I'm told by, by people who have older kids, it's, uh, you know, very quickly uh, kids, you know, start, rightfully so, want to start spending more time with friends, uh, want to do different things that, we're, that, are, that are out of the house. So we, we try to constantly think about you know, this, the, the brevity of, of this period in our lives when, you know, we actually have them captive and we can, we can spend as much time as we want with them. Yeah, I, th I think that's great. And then the last thing that, that we try to, um, especially now I get, you know, it's, it's not like an abstract thing. I have a six-year-old who says like, you know, why do you have to work on a Saturday sometimes? Um, mm -hmm. And when he does, one of the things that, that we try to tell him all the time is, um, you know, we made a choice a long time ago that I would work a job like this and mom would stay home. And so uh, it, it's hard for all of us that um, we don't all get to spend all the time we would like to or, or when we would like to. But, um, you know, part of the trade off and just sort of the way that, that our world works is, um, you know, you know, some of your friends at school, um, you know, both their mommies and daddies work and we have partially because of the kind of work that I do, we have the luxury of, of having mommy home every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you need time with both of us, but, you know, that's, that's at least a, a part of our um, plan. Got it. Um, yeah, that, I feel like we're going to have to have that conversation very soon. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe a, a, a fun question is, uh, when you think about the future, what's on your dad bucket list so experiences travel destinations things you want to teach your kids like what are you what are you excited about wow i hadn't really thought about that i mean yeah. so i'm just i'm just getting into um brady's playing his first year of baseball and if you've um, ever seen six-year-olds play baseball that's sort of funny but um i am we're just getting into the like sort of the very early stages of where it's starting to feel like, I mean, I now go, if I go outside with him, like we both bring gloves and I throw him the ball, you know, I still have to, I'm still careful not to, you know, throw the ball fast or that it's going to hit him or anything, but like, <laughs> it's, it's starting to feel already um, almost like a, a sort of grown up kind of thing. Um, but I guess, um, I really don't know. I don't have any, like, I thought I would have a stronger, um, I'm sort I, I think I'm sort of glad that I don't, but I thought I would have a stronger kind of desire for specific things. Like I thought I'd really want them to play sports and certain sports and all that, or I thought I'd really want them to be into certain things. And, and they are for, because I am, I think, you know, sort of what you said, you just spend time with them and they, they see the way that you act and they see the things that really interest you. So I'm, I'm really into sports and I watch the Eagles uh, win the Super Bowl, and I watch, oh, yeah. you know, a few sports teams and, and when I can, if, if we have time and it's a nice day, I'll go do anything outside with a, you know, baseball, basketball, whatever. Um, but I really don't have like, I really don't have any strong desire to see them do anything specific i think what i would like to do with them um i don't know i really don't know that's a good question i'm going to keep thinking about it what do you think i hope you have better better answer sure well i have the benefit of ma making up the questions so yeah i, yeah. I I've, I've had the chance to think about this stuff a little bit longer um but uh for for me like i don't know i always think about growing up like some of the unique experiences i had like camping and and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to take my kids to like, you know, some of the big national parks uh, in, in the country and just get them exposed to nature and, and teach them how to do things. I mean, that's that's kind of been something I've thought about for a long time. Uh, my dad took us scuba diving when we were all old enough to get certified. And my kids are really into animals and aquariums and zoos and whatnot. So they, they talk a lot now about wanting to scuba dive. So I think that would be pretty cool. Um, and then the one kind of funny thing um, 
which is uh, taking them on college tours. And I know this is like way <laughs> out there, but even before they were born, like I think Tave and I both, you know, talked about how excited we were about that because it was such a, it was such a big, big moment. I think for both of us, like going on those college tours with our parents and and how excited they were and how you know, exciting yet nerve wracking it was and how, how important of an experience that was. And uh, uh, so it's kind of kind of a funny thing to be looking forward to so far out. But uh, those are just a few of the things that I've been thinking about. But but again, it's not uh, most of these things aren't extravagant, you know, vacations or things that cost a lot of money. It's just uh, being together in in kind of meaningful, meaningful ways, you know, on a personal basis. Yeah, I think actually in, in like a weird sort of um, paradoxical way, I think the thing that I'm like looking forward to, the, the things that I think of in the most sort of romanticized way and look forward to are really with Savannah because she's our she's our only girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I presume, although I have no idea, that, that just because of that, she'll be interested in things that I was never interested in and she'll do things that I never did. And so I sort of like, think about and I hear dads who have girls going to you know dance classes I and mean, obviously the girls play sports too and maybe she'll be super into the same sports my boys are but like you know dads who go to dance classes and gymnastics and you know whatever I'm just sort of I'm, I'm, I have more uh and partially because she's younger too obviously I have more kind of uncertainty about like what her interests will be than I feel like I do for the boys um I think one thing too that that just like um, you you made me think about is I, I would be interested to um, for like the first thing that whatever it might be whether it's a sport or an instrument or whatever the first thing that like Brady gets into that like doesn't come from me because now I can just see mm. that like he likes the sports that I like um, and then he goes to school and he talks to the the boys in his class who like those sports too. Um, and so the first time he like develops a genuine independent like interest in whatever it might be and he can like sort of show that thing to me i think that'll be really cool oh that's a great answer wow that's really cool um yeah i wow that's awesome um one follow-up question and this is probably the last question but is it's kind of on a higher level and, and you kind of answered it with that one but but maybe you have a different answer which is what do you want for your kids? Like, and, and what do you, what do you want them to, to say about you? Let's say when, when they grow, like when, what do you, what do you think about that? So I just want, I want them to, um, I want them to be just sort of unburdened by anything. Right. So I don't have any desire for them to grow up, you know, rich and privileged but i also don't want them to feel like well you know when they're going on those college tours like i don't want them to feel like well this school's really expensive so i'm not sure that i could i should go there um and i don't want them to feel like um well that's more for boys or girls so i shouldn't do this or that or that mom and dad wouldn't be happy if i was just a school teacher or so I just I really just want them to do whatever they sort of um, genuinely decide they want to do. I don't have anything much more specific than that for them. And then I think as far as what do I want them to think about when they think about me? I think just um, just he was he was there. Um, he he loved us. He played with us. He supported us. Um, I think we'll have. Um, I think we do a good job now. It's sort of easy now. I feel like the stakes get a little higher as, as kids get older um, of balancing the role of like, you know, being your kid's friend and being their parent. Um, I think, I think we do that pretty well so far. Um, but, uh, you know, I want them to, at least by the time they're sort of grown up and mature and able to look back and say, you know, they did the parent job really well and we're prepared to do whatever it is we want to do and whatever the world looks like in 15 or 20 years um but you know i don't really have anything more specific than that yeah wow 
Well, you did a great job of stealing all my answers um, <laughs> because I was going to say uh, for the big two things are, you know, I want them to be just good people uh, yeah. who, who think about others, like are, are empathetic and, and just have a good moral foundation. And then the second one is like, I would just love it if they like found some sort of passion, something that they were really interested in and like excited about. Um, because a lot of people don't find that in their lives. And, and like you said, I think you said a couple interesting things, like, you know, something, something that they come up with themselves, like that they're, <laughs> that they're independently interested in and excited about, I think is really cool. And, um, and, and are, and are pursuing, um, kind of on their own, um, and not worried about like the judgment, you know, from us or from whomever, um, and give them that freedom to to explore a passion, even if it's, you know, in a in, in a in an industry that's that's lower paying, or if it's like an artistic endeavor or what have you. Um, that's that's kind of my answer. And then the last part, like, what do I want them to say? Was I? You took the words right out of my mouth. Like he was he was there. You know, he was he was around. He he yeah. he spent a lot of time with us and uh, and 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 loved us and, and was there. So. Um, I feel like we're just setting the bar for ourselves pretty low. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, he was physically present. He was physically there. He was yelling a lot, but he was he was there. <laughs> so, yeah, I like I like low expectations so that I can exceed them quite easily. Um, exactly. The, the only thing I would add to that is like I don't um, I don't I don't mean to sound um, more um, I don't know more more sort of kumbaya than I really am. I mean, we're, we're competitive people. Um, I think that I want them, I agree with what you said about, I don't care if it's a lower paying industry or a less prestigious, whatever. I don't, I don't have any, um, real feelings about what the specific path is. I just want whatever it is. I want it to be something that they care about enough to do their best at it. Right. Like, um, you know, there's, there's like a Martin Luther King quote that I, um, I, I, read a long time ago and think about all the time which is like i forget exactly what it is so i'm going to try to get it as close as i can it's a paraphrase but like if a man is called to be a street sweeper he should sweep the streets as if like as michelangelo painted and that way you know when he dies um his tombstone won't say here lies a street sweeper it'll say here lies a man who did his job well um mm-hmm. And it's sort of that that's sort of the way I think about their futures. Like, I don't I don't care what it is that you're passionate about, but you better be passionate enough about it that it gets you up in the morning and makes you want to do it well. Wow. Great, great quote. Great sentiment. We're not going to top Martin Luther King. So I think (laughs) we'll we'll cut it off here. But uh, hey, Mike, just want to thank you for uh, spending the time talking about being a dad and uh, and parenthood and, and, and kids and all the crazy stuff we go through. It's, uh, it's really fun to, to have that conversation and to do it here on the podcast is, is extra special. So thank you for taking the time. Thank you. It's been fun. Awesome. All right. And thanks everybody for listening. And, uh, and if you want to reach out to Mike, uh, you can, you can go through me, uh, but he's a pretty popular guy. So, all right. Thanks again, Mike. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Epic Human Podcast. Please remember to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever app you happen to be using. And if you want to keep up to date on the latest Epic Human Podcast, please follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Epic Human Pod. And if you have any ideas for guests or feedback on the show, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.